Welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. We survived Hurricane Sandy and we're back. Um, thanks for your patience with the week of no content. Um, I only got power back at my apartment a few days ago, so we'll be back at you with this podcast. Um, and hopefully content will become regular on the website again within the next few weeks. Uh, we'll get right into what we've been listening to in our headphones. Um, because I was staying with my parents and didn't have my iPod with me. I wasn't really listening to much music um, until today. Uh, this morning I was I was able to catch up on some stuff. I was listening to mostly a lot of nerdcore rap, MC Frontal Lodge, Chief of the Dark Lord. Um, but during the week I was staying with my parents, I did borrow my mom's car and she has uh, Sirius Radio, satellite radio. So I was listening to the 80s channel for a while too, which was nice. I got to hear... Like some Corey Hart, Sunglasses at Night, of course, Rick <laughs> Oh, God, that's one of my favorite songs. Sunglasses at Night? I, I just... It's, of all it's time? Very, it's No, it's intoxicating, that song. Okay, it is intoxicating, because I had a real thing for it uh, senior year of high school. I still have and a thing for in, it. And into freshman year of college. I did, and, I did a uh, whole uh, lip sync thing to it. Did you? Yeah. Oh, nerd alert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say the 80s, hey. I far like better from the 80s the cheesy pop music than anything else. I like other 80s music too, of course, but the cheesy pop, there was just something about it. That's the thing, it's distinct. Yeah. Like, whenever we talk about, like, modern pop, I think it's because it, it, it lacks a certain quality. It lacks a certain defining quality. Yeah. I, I feel the like 80s had. No. Not in anything else. No, I'm refuting that. 80s did not have a higher quality. I, I, did, I, were... I did not say higher quality. I said distinctive. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll give you that. They were more tongue in cheek in their. They were more earnest about how well, they were exactly. making pop music. They were doing music. cheesy, and they they meant it. They meant it in every single way. Well, I mean, even '90s pop music was most was distinct. It was very dance. There was a lot of dance nights. Music, Ace of Base, Labouche, like all those big pop dance bands. It also had to do with the technology too. Like yeah. the synth was at that level of advancement. The second yeah. it went beyond that, no one was going to go back to it except in jest. So, you know, that's just that little time period that you're going to get hearing that wonderful bout of cheesiness, and we'll probably never get it again. So, live up, live up what exists. Or unless it's a band trying to ironically mimic it, because there have been bands who have come who have done that. Well, yeah, that's the jest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, What about you, John? What have you been listening to? My big thing this week, I was listening to a lot of Slacker Radio, uh, the alt uh, section, the indie section. I was catching up on uh, with like AWOL Nation, Cake, Gautier. Um, I found this little band that I'd never heard of before, Two Door Cinema Club. Yeah, no, they're, they've got these really interesting <laughs> indie songs. I really am enjoying it. I this, wish you could. This, he- this their band called the Two Door yeah, Cinema Club. I, I, I wish hair. you could hear the facial expression I gave John. It would have been funnier. No, it Man. two door cinema. A lot of club. synesthesia is required. I to, want uh, you to, to this podcast. I want you to to Google them. I want you to take a look at them. Okay. They were fun. I did find them the same sort of thing as Gautier and Awol. Uh, I've there. That's the sort of kick I've been on the the more indie alt style. Uh, also, I was listening to like Red Hot and some of the older '90s alt rock, alt pop. Um, Gautier is one of those bands that I feel like you can't really hate. You just kind of, it's kind of, it, 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 you can hate parts of what they do. Some of their songs I guess. suck. I guess, but I'm saying no one really hates that band. It's just another one of those bands that kind of exist. Like, I mean, and somebody that I used to know is one of those songs where you have to try to not like it. Like, it's just catchy and simple. 
It, yeah, it didn't happen by accident. Yeah. That was a very controlled, you know, hit right yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Steve? What have you been listening to? I, I had just remembered that I was, um, me and a couple of other people were asked by a friend to recommend her uh, selection of relaxing music. So I went through my library and really tried to think this through, exactly what is relaxing. Because what's relaxing to some people might not be relaxing to other people. Some people could be relaxed to thrash metal. I used to fall asleep to K-Rock back in high school, like (laughs) heavy metal playing in the middle of the night. That's what I used to sleep to. When they had legitimate music. I I tried to think of some very, very soft, soft stuff. Like really, like something that you really can fall asleep to. Very, Mm -hmm. very low-key and uh, fittingly, that band is called Low. So I've been going through the entire discography of Low just to uh, remind myself of like how soothing they really can be. Um, it's called slowcore. That's the genre, actually. So slowcore. Yeah. Okay. So think about that. <laughs> For the proof that there are way too many genres. Oh, there are. But you know, if you if you heard it, I think you'd admit, yeah, this kind of is slowcore. Like I, you you could you could just I'm feel not, the words and get that vibe. I'm not doubting. That it's a legitimate description of the sound. I just further proves that there are genres that I've never heard of that are still out there. You, f- I forget. And this, the band that we're going to get to in a little bit that we did an album review for today, it's further proof that I have a pretty vast variety of knowledge of music. Like my knowledge of music covers a lot of ground, but yet I forget that sometimes there are bands that kind of fall through the cracks. And I mean, the band that we're talking about today is one of those bands, though. As we listen to them, I immediately liken them to another band that I do know. Yeah, they... Which okay. you did several times. Yeah. And it's probably going to come through in almost every song here. Yeah. But, um, but okay, was that it? Or were you listening to other things? Oh, yeah, I went through, I mean, just another, other sides of relaxing music. I went through Beirut, uh, Kings of Convenience, who, which is a longtime favorite of mine. Probably I settled upon them as the most universally, or what I feel to be one of the most universally relaxing, I suppose. Because Beirut could either do it for you or not. It's actually like Mediterranean dance music, even though it was uh, written by a guy in New Mexico. So, yeah. American uh, Baltic, Balkan pop is actually that genre. <laughs> yeah, fun, yeah, having fun yeah, with genres. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm my fine. eyes rolled in the back of my head for a sec. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Steve's on drugs today. <laughs> yeah, he's been in a pretty weird mood all day. I'm not being inaccurate. I'm being quite accurate. I believe you. Um, okay, well, moving on from that... Um, so yeah, yeah we, we had a hurricane. When we still can, let's move on. We had a hurricane this week. Um, th- <laughs> yeah, that happened. Th- thankfully, um, all of us uh, are okay, as well as uh, extended family and friends are all right as well. There was some destruction, but all in all, everyone made it out in one piece. Um, the website should be back up to full capacity within a week or two, um, but I want to try and get back into a flow of posting three times a week or more. But I want to make sure we have the right and quality content for you guys. We're not going to just throw whatever up to fit that schedule. Um, Paint on a canvas. Just throw whatever up. Absolutely anything. Let's just make some happy little trees. Just whatever. Just just do some happy little trees. That's true. We do have uh, John's doodles. As long as we have that, we kind of are just throwing paint on a canvas. That's pretty true, actually. But uh, let's get into our uh, album of the week, our review. Um, This one was chosen by John at the recommendation of his girlfriend, Anastasia. Um, it's a, the band is called The Script, and the album is called Number Three. Number Three? <laughs> I had to take the shot. Yeah, of course Beatles. you did. Um, this is, of course, I'm sure they'll find this as a shock, their third album. Um, 
And uh, I was pleasantly surprised overall with the record. Uh, going into it, I had not heard them before. Not heard this band before, but very quickly realized I had heard this before, just not from this band. Actually, from what I understand, you have heard this band before, you just don't know it. Oh. This is a band that, uh, according to uh, both my girlfriend and the interwebs, okay. is used a lot. A lot of the music has been used in a lot of the teenage drama television shows that are out right now, like Vampire Diaries, 90210. This doesn't surprise me. Uh, so you've, you've probably oh, so heard, heard one of their songs in, in a, a commercial. commercial. Yeah. And just didn't realize it was them. Yes. Well, that's, that was the case with... Another band that I'll get to later, I actually first heard one of their songs in a movie. And Why don't you just back. say it already? You've been thinking it, just say it already. Who does this band remind you of? The, the band is uh, called One Republic, um, has a very, very much the same kind of flow and pattern, although I think that, that One Republic's a little more technical in their, in their songwriting and their music and their lyrics, but um, I discovered them through The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the movie, the live action movie with Nicolas Cage, the, one of their songs was featured in it. And then when I went back and eventually got their album, I realized I had heard half of the album elsewhere in just TV and commercials and uh. other stuff. So, but uh, we'll jump right into the first track, which was Good Old Days. Um, O-L apostrophe. Good Old Days. Um, which was the intro track. I thought it was a fairly strong intro track. It kind of brought you in. It was a little simplistic, but it kind of pulled you into the album. It's, it showcased the piano theme that was going to be introduced and propagated throughout the whole album. And it showcased uh, the script's ability to layer music. Because they did some great background tone work with this piano work. It was a very simple design very tried and true chords, but they were put together in more interesting ways than what you would normally hear with pop. Yeah, tried and true is a good way to put it there. They're very, you know, simple chords. You've heard them before. You've heard them for 10, 20 years, but they they continue to grab the pop audience. You could hear them on the dance floor. You could hear them just about anywhere. They'll probably get you, you know, in some sort of uplifted mood. Uh, outside of that, there is a repetition to it, a distinct repetition, and I, I forgave that for this first track, because, after all, it is trying to just sort of give you something forceful enough to reel you in. And I, I think um, I think it did that job. It, yeah, it really did introduce the album as a whole very well. Uh, it had better than your average lyrics in what, you, what, what I was expecting, and it was a great surprise, because... We had done this album because I was told it was pop. This song, just from the get-go, showed that this wasn't just pure pop. This is a band, the song itself, it's, it's a very rock pop kind of a song. Yeah. Uh, better, better say rock pop. I'm glad you said that instead of pop rock. No, no. <laughs> pop rock implies yeah. pop-influenced rock. This exactly. is rock-influenced pop. And Precisely. Over half the album has that sort of tone to it. The other half, the other part of the album, the, the smaller half, is a R and B rap influence, which it made for an interesting combination. I'd say more R and B hip hop than rap. Cause Lyrics were rapped, but the right. the, the, the flow uh, is very hip hop R and B kind of influenced. I thought. rap is a very raw term. Yeah, so I and felt, it just didn't have that quite yeah. that rawness to it. So I'll agree with you there. Because I would consider rap more along the lines of Wu Tang and Method Man, whereas hip hop I would consider like. Um, the Sugar Hill Gang, or, you know, like, a, a lighter side of rap, you know, not yeah. as heavy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, but, I, of course, you know, the technical thing is, of course, they are rapping. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all rap, 
Yeah. Technically, but but yeah. But when when you would think of rap as the genre, we're really talking I, about like, you know, Biggie Tupac. Kind yeah. Of. But with Good Old Days and the next song, Six Degrees of Separation, these two tracks were definitely more rock influenced. I really enjoyed Six Degrees. Um it was sweet, very well produced. Uh also propagated the the above average lyrics. And uh, above average singing we were getting with this band. It introduced uh, violin work complementing the piano now, uh, which is also backed up by the guitar, the drums, the bass. Yeah, it was, it was sort of more of the same, you yeah, know, it when it came to pretty. tracks two and three, uh, but a little bit more complex than track one, um, which is a good thing, because after all, track one is just, you know, to reel you in. I don't think, if they kept it completely like track one, it really would have stagnated by this yeah. point. So they they added a little bit more variety, and I thought Hall of Fame in particular had really, really good uh, vocal work. Uh, Hall of Fame, track three, featuring Will I Am... From Black Eyed Peas. ...was uh, the high point of the early album for me. It had a... Also the single of the album. It, it was also the single. It was an amazing message in this album, and it really started... Uh, taking the script and putting them as a different sort of pop band. This one was a little more R&B influenced uh, than your standard, but it still had had heavy rock influences. It was weird. It was a fusion of all three yeah. with pop. As far well, as the vocal thing that I was talking about, it, it's really seen in the interlude in the la- latter half of the song. Uh, the first half is, you know, rap. You're either going to like it or hate it. But it, later on, they, they do this little breakdown, which I have to say was very creative i don't hear that every day coming out of an r&b track and and i think the biggest thing was with this track is it's clear that it was influenced by will i am you know his production style and obviously black eyed peas are are not a band that just stick to hip-hop or r&b they they're all over the place they try all sorts of things they've been influenced by rock and pop and and r&b and that comes through in this song hands down yeah there was a lot of um they paired the piano work with uh synth work uh, for the main beat, it it did have the drums complimenting it. It did have the violence complimenting it. But the, me- the I have to go back to this: the lyrics, the message. It was talking about be stronger, be faster, be harder, and that punk. Yeah, no, it, it had it. Okay, yeah, the message for it was definitely a lot like that same song by Daft Punk. Okay, stylistically, uh, a bit of a different approach. Yeah, but. They're talking about be a student, be a teacher, be a leader, be a politician. That's how you can be in the Hall of Fame. Like they, which, you would think by the name of a Hall of Fame song, it would be about either musician, a rock star, or, or about sports or something yeah. like that. They were talking about just be a strong person, be a leader, which I found to be a great oh, it's message. A beautiful message. Yes. I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of uplifting uh, lyrics going on here throughout most of the album. Especially for the f- first half or so, or first two-thirds of the album. The lyrics and the con- and the content of the message is very strong. And I'm not big on... I don't like preachy songs. But the things, thing about these messages is they're not, not preachy. It, they're just kind, it's just kind of they're sharing how they feel. And the next song was even a bigger, stronger message of that. Even though I didn't emotionally relate with it as strongly as others might... The song, uh, If You Could See Me Now, was this simplistic song with very sweet, strong lyrics, pretty much of all the band members singing to parents lost or family members lost, and 
if you could see me now, if they were still alive and they could see what I'm it, doing now. It was uh, it was a homage to their lost loved ones. Now, this had a very, very standard R&B type of a sound to it. But that's because this song was all about the lyrics. It was all about the story they were telling, which was a beautiful story of, I wish I could still see you, Dad, or I wish I could still be with you, Mom. Uh, even if you were just, you know, yelling at me for drinking and smoking, or even if you wouldn't be proud of me, I wish you could tell me that. Yeah, this was very sweet, but this is where I'm going to step in with the devil's advocate, as I must do. I, I, I got to tell you, the music really hurt the message in this particular instance. Oh. I thought the lyrics themselves were great, but, you know, the point of a song like that is it's really trying to get that, that, that emotional, that deep connection they had with their parents and, you know, make you feel their pain in some ways for not having their parents there to, to let them see what they've become. I'm not getting that through the music. No, the they're... music was just a very redundant, you know, it, it had that, that fairly typical backdrop that you usually see in a lot of R&B tracks that just repeats and repeats and repeats. The focus is meant to be on the lyrics, but I can't ignore the music, and the music was lackluster. I will give you that. That was a big detractor from this song. Uh, it did hurt the actual song itself. While the lyrics were great, I have to say they were so simple in the actual beat. It could have been played on a an old school beat machine. I mean, it was yeah. There was nothing to it. It could have done absolutely anything in the background of these lyrics, and it hurt the song as a whole. Yeah, I was going to originally argue the contrary that the music was simple to push the lyrics forward, but now that I think about it, typically like songs like this, even if. I can't relate directly. I'll get the emotion from the song and still it'll still choke me up. But that might be why I felt kind of a disconnect with this song was because the the, the music behind it just it didn't take you there. Like, I have a rule of thumb. You should never be afraid of giving people too much to focus on necessarily. Yeah. Like, you know, as long as it's complimentary. And this didn't compliment it at all. I felt the music was completely arbitrary. You know, you might as well have just recited it, the poem. It could have been a spoken word poem and been just as impactful, yeah. I feel. Beat poetry. Actually... <laughs> That's where I actually found the flip in the next track, Glowing. Glowing was a song with very complicated layering of simple ideas. It had a very repetitive beat when the beats were being used. They were throwing different instruments and different sounds back and forth, back and forth into it. It was very well mixed, but nothing really spoke out as, as you know, new, inventive, or... Um, very personable or, or anything like that. You know, to be honest, that's I gotta disagree with you there. In terms of the music, I actually thought Glowing uh, confirmed my earlier suspicion in the previous four tracks that there were little hints of alt-rock in this album. Or in this band as a whole. I'm not, not entirely sure about that. But perhaps that was just something they were experimenting here. I, I don't know this band's discography. But there are little elements that came through in the earlier tracks that I felt really uh, multiplied and were you know, more ubiquitous in, in glowing. Just little little alt-rock ideas, you know, things they would do with the guitar work, just kind of stretching the stuff you would really expect from uh, from pop-influenced rock. I, I thought Glowing actually was a really good song. I really liked it. I thought the drum work was very intricate, and it wasn't a standard beat. That's it was, exactly the kind of stuff it, I'm talking it pulled, about. It really pulled me in. And I really liked the lyrics. The lyrics, yeah. were, the lyrics were kind of standard as far as the message. It was that kind of don't give up, keep going kind of message. But I still thought the lyrics were very good. Yeah, I don't think that they were below average at all. I thought they were very much good, good, strong lyrics 
on a nice strong pedestal of a great drum beat and, and a beautiful intro. I thought I thought it was a very good song. Yeah, I really I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought up the drum drum work because uh, that's really something you don't. I don't think you see in typical pop. No, usually it's a very standard up and down beat. This was this was a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. I, f- I I found the lyrics to be definitely weaker, especially compared to the previous four tracks. It had very uh, average, above average to strong lyrics. Glowing, I felt, was just a little bit of a downturn on that. And I felt like the song towards the end definitely started dragging out a little bit too long. Okay, perhaps. and the, the Getting actually, a little I, too repetitive. I would agree with that, but that was a problem not simply with this track, but with a lot of tracks on this album. They all sort of seemed to drag out the idea a little bit too much. Didn't develop well, this is it a band who else. has four-minute tracks that could have st- stood to be three minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah, which is the typical length of a right. pop track. But I, let, let's just talk about Glowing's meaning in the greater sense here. I do like that it had a much sweeter tone about it, kind of brought everything down a notch. Mm-hmm. Because before that, you, you do sort of have that steadiness to the pop. You know, the, the, it's, it's, it, it's at a similar tone, similar volume. And I feel like this was just the appropriate place in the album to sort of turn it down. You know, get a little softer. I agree. And I think it was a great middle track since this was a... Uh, uh, or near middle track because this is a 10-track album and... I thought track five was perfectly placed. I thought it was es- a great point. Especially, and that's, I'm going to, while I was a little disappointed in the lyrics, I did feel that uh, the entire album was building up to track six. And yes. Glowing was yes. the only track they could have used to build up to track six. Precisely. Give the Love Around was another R&B song. It was, Hands down, my favorite track. As is mine. Mine as well. It had everything. It had empowering lyrics. It had compelling social commentary in in the vocals. With complicated layering in the music. A beautiful backdrop. In fact, Give the Love Around exemplifies everything that I feel, uh, uh, if you could see me now, did not accomplish. Yeah. You know, having the message, the powerful lyrics, but... You know, to show that you really can bring a more evocative feeling to the uh, to your listener when you actually compliment it with something. When you don't just leave the lyrics as the lyrics and then just hope the music will take care of itself. This was thought through. And uh, I did enjoy pausing the song about halfway through and starting it all over because I caught the lyrics on the first listen to. It was They were beautiful. And I made Steve and Matt listen to them. <laughs> Took me twice, but and, I got it, and I was eventually impressed. focus on these lyrics. They were about how we have to start from the ground up rebuilding society, and it's an incredible message to be, to be uh, uh, propagating in any form of music. Um, I like that sort of, sort of social commentary that goes with some music, and that you tend to find in a more R&B, rap, hip-hop kind of sense. You don't really find it as often in the rock and roll and in the heavy metal type of music. Right, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it back in retrospect because, you know, it, that, that backdrop that the, that the song had, that, that was necessary for, to reel me in originally. And, you know, as I work a lot of times, it's, it's lyrics after music. But once you have the music there, the lyrics are so much easier to appreciate. I, I can agree with that. Definitely, um, I think it's unanimous that this is definitely our our highest tr- rated track on yeah, the album. It stands out. It's the guitar it work, does. the string work, everything about it was just a, a lot more uh, ups, you know, high, of higher quality. 
And it was upbeat. It was, it was, it made me feel better. This is a track I really connected with. And I felt higher after it. And that's what yeah, made... That's, that's the true way to, uh, you know, evocative feelings. And that's what made Broken Arrow, I think, s- the next track, track seven, seem worse than it was. Because it wasn't a bad track. It Not wasn't poorly made. But to follow up, uh, give the love around with it, it just, it sells Broken Arrow short. It's just... Not a good follow-up. It's a very average, mediocre th- three-star track. It's you know, very... I'm not going to go that far. I thought there were still some interesting things in Broken Arrow. I think the worst, uh, the worst thing about it was the fact that it was a bit of a darker track. It didn't really match the whole uplifting it sensation was... that we had been building up this whole time. It's the only one that I feel kind of dragged the uh, dragged that high that you're on. <laughs> it dragged it down a notch. It was a little it bit a bad thing. It's just... It was a little bit of a messed-up love song. Yeah, uh, it was a li- it was boring. I did find this track to be a a little boring. It had a nice intro. But yeah, but it as dragged with on. Many songs this, they drag on. It was too long. Uh, too many repetitions of the chorus really extended the length of the song and hurt that overall length. Yeah, definitely. It, it got to be. It, it was definitely heavier rock too. That oh, was when this absolutely. is this is the point where rock really becomes a focus. In some of the songs, uh, because Kaleidoscope had that same sort of feel. The next in the next uh, song, it had a great this this good intro beat. Yeah, another, another one like great intro. The uh, breakdown was just I jarring and I did not enjoy. My it. biggest problem with Kaleidoscope, although now looking at it, made me realize it might have been intentional. Is it was a very kind of chaotic sound. It was very you know the 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 A to B. Was. It didn't even drop. It just flipped. Like it was. They were very jarringly different. I, I was okay with that, having having listened to it again, only because you know I, I really was kind of waiting for something on this album to wake me up. Right. You know, and, and perhaps that did that for all the wrong reasons, which is probably why I felt I didn't feel so uh, affected by it. But even so, we're talking about you know a, a small margin here. It's not like it it threw me something so much to wake okay. up. I still kind of. Forgot that the track existed in the grand yes, scheme of things. You did actually the f- quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> no, Steve did not notice when we went from one track to the next and almost seemed getting bored. Yeah, and I have to. This is um, this is the point where I really started to realize the overall effect of this album, or the overall what they had achieved in the end. The beginning of the album has a lot of. Not so good ideas, to be honest. Kind of generic pop ideas, but at least they put it together well. They were well worked. They they functioned as a, as a sufficient pop track. You know, I, I really couldn't say that much bad about it at the end. We've so far been talking up the album. Then it reached sort of a peak in the middle where they actually managed to blend a lot of good ideas into that well-worked, uh, you know, formulaic style. And then at the end, it's like, they still had a bunch of good ideas. They just couldn't figure out how to develop them. Yeah. And I, I guess that's kind of where they lost my attention, which is sort of the shame there, because usually I'm intrigued enough by good ideas to, uh, to keep interested. It doesn't always do it if it's, not, if it's not stated correctly. Yeah, seven and eight definitely fell short for me. I mean, they weren't bad songs by any stretch, nah. but they weren't great either. They were just kind of there. Yeah, like, same goes the, with uh, There Are No Words, ninth, well, see, ninth track. It's it's really, okay. the same, the, first same of all, stride. wait. The song is called No Words. No, yeah, there are no words to explain no words. Right. <laughs> the song is called No Words, and I disagree. I think No Words stood out enough because it was it was 
almost uh, uh, R&B poetry, and the chorus was literally um, to describe you. There are no words, and then they don't say anything. The chorus is just chanting. It showed again that their R&B work is uh, probably a little bit higher than their more uh, rock-oriented work. Yeah. I did. I did enjoy the R and B stuff better. That's actually a very keen observation, right there, which explained the disconnect that they're trying to fuse two genres where they're better at one than the other, and it shows. And it shows that their mixing is great because No Words actually had great mixing, and it had uh, this one section, this one violin section towards the end of the song, that was a breakdown with just the violin, and they slowly built up the rest of the instruments back into it. It was a great job. It did it, it did so good with a rap lyric vocals on top of it. Mm. But here's the problem. Once again, okay lyrics, not a very ingenious method uh, message. And with all this great mixing, like there's great ideas, but they lack the kind of uniform notion throughout the whole song. No, I, it, it I was, definitely saw that. It was sort of breaking apart under its own you know, levels of what they were trying to do. Yeah. I, I would be willing to bet that this uh, album was not written consecutively. Oh, probably not. There are a lot of songs that could have been... In any order, really. In any order. I feel like, you know, five and six had to be in the middle. Those two songs go together very well. I say that primarily yeah. because you'd think they had they would have learned their lessons and, right. and perpetuated the achievements that they had in uh, in glowing and give the love around. But they didn't, really. I mean, but it's hard to say. I mean, because Good Old Days is a strong intro also, so... But definitely Six Degrees, Hall of Fame, and If You Could See Me Now could have been in any order. Oh, uh, well, honestly, I want I want Will I Am to start producing a lot more of their work because he would do some great work with these guys. Yeah, they work very well together yeah. on Hall of Fame. Particul- yeah, particularly fantastic. Hall of Fame and Give the Love Around. Two great songs, greatly mi- uh, great mixing, great messages, but great but- lyrics, a little bit of everything... All there. But before we jump around all over the album, we should get to the final track, which I absolutely couldn't stand at all. There's <laughs> a reason I've been avoiding it, actually. Yeah, like... <laughs> I this, don't have much to th- say The song that. Millionaires is completely forgettable, poorly made, it's standard pop okay. track. Mm, I'm gonna disagree. It's not completely this, it's, unforgettable. This it isn't... just doesn't have the, the punch or a conclusive quality to it that, that it should be in a final track. I just feel like this song could have been... Okay on earlier parts of the album, but as a conclusion, it wasn't good. And All right, it wasn't a terribly made track, because all of the songs in this album were well you know, made. I, I put this on par with, like, Six Degrees of Separation. But I just, it didn't, at least in Six Degrees of Separation, I felt something I connected. Millionaires felt like that kind of, like, Millionaires reminds me of Rockstar oh. by Nickelback. Six Degrees of Separation was the second track. We were wide-eyed and optimistic back then. Could be, but Millionaires (laughs) reminds me of Rock Rock Star by Nickelback. It was rock rock pop at its core. It was such a but not even that. The message and how I felt about the song. It's so not necessary as a song. It's just kind of there. The lyrics were and it was kind of empty. Okay, the message of the lyrics, the the actual lyrics, were almost undecipherable in what they were trying to get across. I don't know if it was a love song. I don't know if it was a song about. Uh, money or about time because they just kept throwing all these random words together. They try to go a little bit too art on their words, which kind of lost it for me. The beat was it's rock. Too art. No, it, the it beat too art. The beat was so rock pop. I mean, the instruments were so rock pop. There was no other way to describe it. They were true yeah. genericitude or genericness. 
Yeah, that's it's ironic because uh, the rock pop quality of this of this band uh, was we we've been speaking of it to more of, more of its credit yeah. uh, until now, but you know even that kind of has its limits. There's only so much you can do. Just just as a final track, you don't go with mediocre. Like n- no words, even though it wasn't the greatest track on the album, I think would have been a better closer. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with that, I suppose. And, and it might have also broken up the uh, the sameness that I heard between Kaleidoscope and yeah. No Words. I'm going to have to argue that. I did like the way this album uh, flowed. I felt Millionaire really couldn't have gone anywhere but as the last track. I don't really want her to put it anywhere else and hurt any of the other songs, because I think that Millionaire would do it. If they got rid of the song completely, which is not something I'm saying, I'm saying they should do, but if they got rid of the song, it probably would have been a better album, uh, at least closing. But they decided to have this song. Where else would you put it? I felt this album. Yeah, I felt. I, no, I, I told you. I think it was on par in many ways with Six well, Degrees of Separation, even though we may have interpreted it uh, differently because Six Degrees of Separation was earlier in the album. But I think Millionaires could have been moved up with it. Well, okay. I'd say right after or before it. Let me describe how I felt this album was as a whole. It started... Uh, Pretty much the same way I described it. Yeah, it started <laughs> as a two and a half three, went up near five, and ended as a two and a half three. This this was... The center was the solid part of the album. Yeah. The outside tracks were a little bit interesting, kind of forgettable, and not too inventive, but they were the low points um, at both ends, front and back. Yeah, you definitely see your most generic uh, work at the beginning and the end here. The yeah. middle stands out. It no, does. the middle definitely did stand out. Glowing and Give the, Give the Love Around definitely stood out completely from the rest of the record. Um, yeah, no, I can I can agree wholeheartedly. I think that it's it's a good pop record. I think that they're a talented band. I think that as far as as pop records go, it's definitely not the worst thing I heard. Um I just can't really think of much else to say about it. No, I mean, there's really pretty, not much else to say It's pretty straight a pretty straightforward album. I'd say that I, I think I know a 3 when I hear it, I'll be the first to rate it. This is a 3. It it is a very take it or leave it kind of thing. A lot more could have been done uh in both of the beginning and the end for both the reasons that I said. They could have they could have thrown in a little bit more of their alt rock stylings in the middle that I heard hints of but simply not enough to distinguish it from the masses. And they could have just worked a little bit harder and actually developed their good ideas on later on the later tracks. Um, the only tracks I'd say do not touch. You did a great job. Are if you can see me now, glowing. Give the love around, love around, <laughs> love around. And uh, to some extent, to some extent, I, I don't hate Broken Arrow. It's 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 simply uh, a poor follow up. You know, I would even count that Th- those four tracks solid, but um, they don't save the album. There's still a lot of generic stuff in here three um for me i honestly now that i'm more, more i'm thinking about it i was originally going to rate this a little higher because of last week's album i thought no doubt was the the epitome of average but thinking about it there were there were things on the no doubt album that i really liked and thought were fantastic and then there were things that were very average and that's what brought it down to average is that it just didn't give me enough of the better stuff. And this album pretty much does the same thing. There's stuff that I really like. There's stuff that I'm just okay with. Nothing I didn't, I hated except for millionaires. I really didn't like 
Um, I saved the word fantastic for stuff in the higher threes, borderline four. I, I'm not going to go quite as far as to say that anything here was done fantastically. I think they were good. You know, they just needed more de development. They, uh, it's not bad enough to be two. You know, I, I'm, I'm really sticking with my uh, on-the-line three here. That's great. This was about. Mark. I know. I just. I. I. I wasn't trying to change your rating. Your rating is spot on. I'm saying that for me, I was originally going to rate it as a three five, but I think the script is more of a three as well. I don't think it did any better or worse than No Doubt did. I just think that I like this in different areas for different reasons. But all in all, you know, Hall of Fame is still a standard pop single. It was very good for a pop single. But I just didn't fall in love with the album. I thought it was okay. I'd probably listen to it again. But I don't know that I would... I would recommend it to anyone who likes pop music or pop rock. Yeah, I just felt the need to nitpick the word fantastic. <laughs> it was absolutely necessary. Okay, I'm going to... Alright. I'm going to like this review. Everybody knows I hate pop. Especially pure pop. And what it does to our society and how it portrays music and how it introduces music to the masses. Are you going to rate this within pop? If I was going to rate this within pop, this would be a six-star album. <laughs> okay. um, as an album, this had... Nothing was lower than a three. Nothing I disliked here. Which for me to say that is a testament unto itself. There was just, you know, everything was average. Did you just say a few minutes ago, 2.5, 3? Uh, some of it, As okay, Millionaire, Millionaire was 2.5. Okay. But nothing really, nothing else hit lower than a 3. Everything was just listenable, and I could follow along with it. I was not disliking anything particular. There were parts of it I thoroughly liked, and... I've always said that it's it's music, it's message, it's lyrics. There's, there's a lot that has to come together for this. I have to give this album, purely because of how far they go, a four. There's just solidness in the message and the lyrics of Hall of Fame, If You Could See Me Now, Give the Love Around, that I have to rate them so much higher than, than what you would normally find in other bands. Uh, this is... This has got complicated layering that you don't see with a lot of bands that make really good music. Hmm. There's just so much here that adds to it. Yeah, this is a three. This is a generic album. But they have great ideas here, great ideas there that add up, add up, add up. And there's nothing detracting besides Millionaire. I gotta call this a four. Uh, this warrants a little bit, just a little bit more discussion here. We thought we had it, but... We're not going to argue. We're not going to argue ratings. We just This is a little bit of a thing to open because we don't have so much of a disparity. We've actually been surprisingly on the uh, on the money with the past few album reviews. Um, the thing is, I'm actually kind of surprised that you even said that if we were ra rating within pop, this would be a six. I don't think even I would take it there. Even within oh, I was pop... Being, I was being facetious. I, I, I know that. I know. But even so, I think I would rate it as a four within pop, you know, I think there have been, I think we actually, by pure coincidence, when we started talking here, we, we started talking about 80s pop, and I think 80s pop had, had a real fine qualities to it, 
just because of how distinct it was. I I often write by distinctness. You can write how you wish. I'm just I'd like to point that out. Distinct is important for me, and I don't I did not find that in many of these tracks. But also with '80s pop, if we're going to talk about '80s pop, I mean, just because it was distinct didn't mean it was good. Uh, how do you define good? Enjoyable. Well made. <laughs> There's a lot of 80s music that is very unique, yet nigh I, unlistenable. Okay, we've said we were going to talk about this before. I mean, we, we, we've actually were going to do a whole album review on this, but if you were to compare this next to Thriller. Oh, well, I mean, Thriller hands down would be leaps and bounds but, above this. But out, outside of like the hype that Thriller has surrounding it and the mega platinum... It has nothing to do with the hype. I listened to that album less than a month ago. It still holds up. I listen to every track and enjoy every moment of it. There's not a moment on that album I don't like. Yeah, there's so some more, there's certain, more to you, John. Then there's a okay. There's some distinctions with Thriller because you're talking about an extremely unique voice, which this track didn't have. Distinct, distinct, unique, beautiful voice in Michael Jackson that nobody truly has been able to replicate to the same quality. My point of distinct of not necessarily being good is Starship. Starship made a song that was very... Well, we built the city on rock and roll. That song mm. is very distinct. There was really nothing... I mean, it, it, it kind of fit into the pop, but it was very distinct. It had these um, huge guitars, and it was very over the top. But it was not very good. I lo- and don't get me wrong, I love We Built the City on Rock and Roll. It's a huge guilty pleasure. That song was so much fun to sing along to and listen to. I don't think it was that. I don't know. Well it, had this, made. it had this drab quality to it that I'm not sure I could really bring bring myself to call it distinct. Uh, except that it has the hype, but the hype is I don't know. Okay, distinct uh, is kind of a relative term. But, I suppose we can admit that. But yes. I think you're doing this argument a little bit too backwards, because if you're going to compare '80s pop to modern pop. Which are really two different genres when you get down to it. They are related but distinct. That's a good point. They're related but different. And you're talking about 80s pop building off of earlier music, while modern day pop has to build off of earlier music as well. They're going to get their own influences from 80s, so there's going to be relationships between modern day sound and previous yeah. sound. Pop always borrows from what's around it. Yeah, I mean a lot of what we're also we're talking about was eighties pop was also new wave and and, and there you was, know there was rock a, and but there's, disco there's some duck. Points, there's some points that even we're you mentioned before that even you mentioned earlier with regards to this album that I thought really, you know, highlights why I feel like it doesn't quite measure up. And that's the stuff that they're borrowing from. They borrow from rock, but they don't borrow from the best sides of rock. They borrow from, you know, the very kind of repetitive structure. But they're not really... The alt-rock ideas that they include are simply scattered. They're They're just, like, peppered throughout the album. They're not... They're never developed in any way, shape, or form. And you brought up Gautier earlier. Was that on or off the podcast? I can't even remember. That was on. No, that was on the podcast. We were talking about that. That was what he'd been listening to. There's something that borrowed and developed upon alt-rock ideas. That's what I think is a good pop song. I wouldn't... Okay, there's a lot of Gautier that that does suck. 
That yeah, is I'm going terrible. off that only. I'm only going off that one song. Okay, going from that one song, that is a unique endeavor into what would be considered pop, and that's not even really a true pop song. Like none of this is really true pop. None of the script is mm. true pop. Well, but uh... I'm gonna say there was something we were talking about that I, I think really, is it's a great argument for me. We were talking about eighties <laughs> music. Before you eighties music. <laughs> has a, an earnest quality about itself. Yes. And I felt this band portrays it the same way. They have an earnest quality about their music. Only in the middle tracks. But I'm... Not so much in the bookends. I can't call this a three album if there's only one song I'm rating at a 2.5. The rest are three and higher. And there's... I gotta give it... it Without taking the message, I'd give this a 3.5, but there's just such a powerful message in some of these songs, and that's part of my rating. The actual what they're saying count and them how up, they're though. trying count, to count say. Up, count up those tracks. One, two, three. No, 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 say them. Say them out four. loud. Okay. Hall of Fame, If You Could See Me Now, uh, Give the Love Around, and Glowing. All of which are 3.5 to 4, and all of which have incredible... So 4 out of 10. Four out of ten on 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 a four out of ten songs. That's a majority that ends up with filler. Yeah, but and I'm even saying you said the, the, the last few that... tracks on this album do not have a very strong message. Okay, you're not impressed by them lyrically. Well, take how many does it take? I mean, or how few does it take? Okay, Wait, no, no, no. Let's, okay, <laughs> we'll say in order one through ten: three, five, three, five, four, 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 five. Three five three three two five, average probably a little bit higher than three five. And with the quality of the message included, the quality of the lyrics, and the 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 sheer level it has a of strong per- album arc too. Right, you, yeah, it has right, a you strong arc. It, you broke it down. Okay, as long as you broke it down, this is a four. And averaged it out. And I would recommend this to anybody who listens to pop. I would push this upon people to try to get them away from mainstream pop. Because this isn't mainstream. Ah, so now that's, and a, that's this a good is, point. This has accessibility to other genres of music, and this will teach people what good things are out there. Okay? Mm, all right. That's not a bad point. I'll give you that. Argument I one. Still think, I still think still think they could have done a little bit more, Oh, they though. could do so much better, but i got to give them points for where I give other guys I know, points. but that, that whole idea of that you could do so much better is the... Is the definition of what my three is. So I retain the three. That's what we got. Two threes and a four. Unless you were won over by his uh by his little argument. I nah. still I still stay with I I look at it this way. I I after the po- we're done recording the podcast, I'm going to burn a copy of this album and a copy of the No Dad album to listen to. And see which one wins? No, I'm just not gonna if, if one but, wins. No, then. it's not a matter of winners, it's the fact that they're both the same for me as far as quality. Uh, no doubt exceeded in some places where they didn't, and they succeeded in some places where no doubt didn't. Of I'm not course, saying they're all two very different genres, right? But I'm not saying that no doubt is a better, like the script is a better band than the no, no doubt, or that they're the same band or the same quality. It's just as far as an album, specifically an album goes, they're both the same to me. They just they're okay. I like them. I'll listen to them. I'm not gonna. They're not. I can't. I'm not chomping at the bit to listen to them. In fact, I'd forgotten to burn the new No Doubt CD after the last podcast because it was just okay. So, you know, I I feel like they're just both solid threes, you know, and, and that's really it. Yeah. All right. 
So, we have our rating. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to take some time to talk a little bit about how... I guess since we're talking about pop, we might as well continue to talk about pop. It's not like we don't talk about it enough as it is. But how... Pop culture can kind of consume parts of music almost to a fault or to a breaking point. There are songs that can be covered and become so mainstream when they're covered that it overshadows the original works. Ah, that. That old question. And the best example of this that I have that I'll start with is when I was still living with my parents, this is probably... Ten years ago that this song came out. I don't remember. Maybe ten years ago. Madonna covered American Pie. Around that time, I was listening to the original version by Don McLean. Uh, let me just point out, I've never even heard that, um, that Madonna covered American Pie up <laughs> until today. Um, yeah, me neither. And I was singing, I was listening to my headphones and singing while walking down the street the song. And then one of the young girls who lived in my neighborhood, one of my neighbor's kids... Stopped me and said, oh, I love that song. I said, oh, that's good. She's like, yeah, it's my favorite song that Madonna's ever wrote. And, like, a vein started to bulge out of my forehead. I, I didn't say anything and I moved on. But I was like, how could you confuse the two? Like, or even think that she wrote it. it it's clearly a cover. But then I started thinking, well, what if this little girl had never heard Don McLean? And then heard Madonna. Why should she not believe that Madonna could write a song like that? Madonna's a talented artist. There's no denying that. Yeah, it, it's a classic case of all oh, these kids today, they don't know what's good. They don't know what came out first. But the funny thing is that uh, society's getting a little bit more complex these days. You know, there's a lot more to investigate. So it's almost unsurprising that someone should come across one song and not think to uh, the information isn't available to them to go back. But, they but, have to know to do it. Right. Well, and also when this had happened, it was, you know, Google and Wikipedia and the, the internet as a whole wasn't as ridiculously in your face as it is now. So the the idea that she might not have simply known because she couldn't pull it up on a website is is a larger possibility then than it is ah, now. Ah, but the funny thing is I would actually argue the reverse is that the internet has ruined that in some way because that sort of information, where would it have been on the old days? Where would it have been? Where would you have seen it? The book jacket. Oh, yeah, of course. That sure. people bought back right, in those and, days. And, and you couldn't avoid buying it because it's the only true. way you got music. And it would tell you that it was originally yeah. written by so- whoever. And in the days, was a cover. In, in the days of <clears throat> illegal downloads um, and the days of iTunes, of course, people just don't have that information available to them. They hear what they hear, they listen to it on their iPod, and they don't have a care in the world. So There's, there's a joke going around about Justin... It's on the internet, and a couple of the... Bieber. Uh, yeah, Bieber. Bieber, Biber, Boober, whatever his name is. Uh, about Justin covering all these Queen songs, or naming all these songs after Queen songs, or all sorts of stuff like that. Just fans not realizing that Freddie Mercury came, you know, around and was this huge popular person before Justin ever was born. And there's all these Justin fans going, oh, I can't believe Queen copied him. And I'm like, and I read these things and I laugh because it's a joke and it's portrayed as a joke. But what is our society coming to if information, I'm not saying that everybody should know 
Somebody to Love was first done by Freddie Mercury. But you know what? Everybody should know no, that it was that it was first Mercury. done by Freddie Mercury. They're, we're losing parts of our society because people aren't really looking for information anymore. People They're, take the information for granted because of the society that we have. Uh, no, I don't even see that. I feel like people are not trying to become intelligent. The same way... Uh, previous generations, even our generation, tried to. We don't go out. We we, we don't go out of our ways anymore. I think to I learn think our, our generation was simply so fascinated by the fact that the internet exists that we actively used it to well, try to get smart well, or that, try to know things. Well, at that's, least that's like um, the internet is equal to the death of trivia almost because there's no coffee oh, yeah. top this coffee table discussion of. Oh, remember that movie with, um, what's his name, that came out, when was it? And you discuss it and figure it out. Now it's, Smartphone. oh wait, what movie was Lewis Black in? Oh, it was Smartphone. this movie. Yeah, it was this, <laughs> you know, there was this pie chart I saw online of what a smartphone is for. And a little sliver for phone calls, a little sliver for, for text messages, and this huge piece of the pie for proving people wrong. Or, like, it yeah. used to be you go to a library when you needed a report done and you looked up books and you read about <laughs> things and you got good points and i really wanted and this to now, avoid being an old man conversation no, but nowadays people just copy off of wikipedia no I, and it's not an old man conversation well, because first of all if anyone what? if any professor or teacher has any two, any 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 two chops, brains, they, they would know, know how to, they, you know yeah. and there's there's algorithms that prevent people from copying things directly very good algorithms actually um but i know how to get around them and people know how to get around them don't say that <laughs> no, it's it's you. If you know how to actually speak English, you can easily get around them. Yeah. Well, but this is also a problem. Like people, uh, music is getting mainstream. Movies are getting mainstream. TV is getting mainstream. Like uh, there's Mockingbird Lane. My girlfriend was talking about this the other day, which is a remake of the Monsters. <laughs> I did not know it existed, but yeah, it's a remake with uh, Freddie Izzard as Grandpa. You mean Eddie? Eddie Izzard, Izzard. Uh, Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. Um, this is out already? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know about it either. No, no, no. And people are watching this show and not realizing it's building off of a classic. Uh, like a truly sitcom uh, uh, poster child progenitor. Well, just like when Wild Wild West came out. Nobody knew that there was a Wild Wild I West. I did, but yes, a lot of people thought that it was an original movie starring Will Smith. And it wasn't. It was based on an old TV show. Well, or... even th just while we're on this topic here, even though we're getting a little bit off of music, it's still related because how do people find out this kind of stuff? I'm, I don't see any reason why that should be particularly different. It being a parody and all, I think back to, you know, 90s era comedy such as episodes of The Simpsons, which was totally based around, you know, parodying old movies, parodying old... Uh, yeah, of course. A lot of know. Hitchcock, yeah. a lot of... Uh, they, they threw they threw yeah. clever jokes like that around all the time in early Simpsons, for the first ten years of its life. And I always remember watching it when I was younger, and, you know, my parents might pass through the room. Of course I wouldn't get the joke all the time in the beginning, because, you know, kids only know so much of, of older stuff. But then my parents would explain it to me. So that's parental, you know. No, a lot of it is the responsibility of the parent. They either aimed it toward the people that already knew, or it's more of an educational thing, like you should find out yourself. Why is this funny? Think while you're really laughing. Think about it. <laughs> and that then was, you should find out. Actually, a great example of that is Ghostbusters, because every time I've rewatched Ghostbusters growing up, 
I got more of the jokes and understood more of the jokes exactly. and more of the lines. I think that's yeah. why there's such a nostalgia uh, with with stuff made in that era. And um, it's it's kind of disappointing that this nostalgia stuff seems to be going by the wayside. Where people, well, and my, I'm not my, talking my, my about point, just my kids. point about that was simply that uh, that a lot of it does come down to your parents. I think I agree. I think that while it's very easy to blame society. I know people with kids. I know people who just had kids and kids who are of almost adolescent age. It it comes down to the parents. It, you society can only do so much for your children. You have to want to teach them and share with them. If you They're don't, building society, shape your child and your child. I've always a said that I feel that I should give my children all of the appropriate information so they can make decision bad decisions on their own. You know, every child's got to make a bad decision or decide they don't believe in something or do believe in something or like something or don't like something. You should give them the opportunity to do that themselves, but give them everything. Don't just right. give them so, part of it. So in wrapping it back around to music, that's the kind of thing that you ideally hope that us being fairly knowledgeable, we like to think we're knowledgeable about, you know, the library of music that exists. I've we would put skills. it out there. Yeah, you, we got, you, I got some skills. Yeah, you do? Yeah. yeah? All right, we'll, we'll test that out in the, in the coming weeks. But we would present it to our kids, you know. I, I believe in social Darwinism. And I believe that... <laughs> no, 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 listen no. To not, not that you should just, just uh, <laughs> you know, be thrown out there. But I believe that if you're going to... You should especially raging, albums in a vault. No. And don't give your you, kids the key until they're 12. <laughs> if you're raising children, you should be educating them with... Every point of view that you can reasonably understand and see what actually takes place in their mind. That's social Darwinism in, in this respect. Do you know why I'm so knowledgeable about such a variety of music? Same with me. It's from our fathers. Correct. My Specifically father listened, our dads. My father listened to just about everything. You know how I first heard the Backstreet Boys before they were popular, when, before they were like these huge pop stars? My father played them. He got a monthly CD that had a mix of popular songs that were on the radio, and I heard them, and I went, oh, well, they kind of sound like boys to men. I thought nothing of it, but I, like, I know this variety, huge variety of music because my father listened to just about everything except for hip-hop. Okay. Early on in my life, I did get a huge, a huge variety of music from my dad as well, and my mother. You know, I got a lot of classical from my mother. I got a lot of classic rock from my dad. But, but, I do not think that that is the only thing that happened. Like, the variety that really came was... My friends, you know, as early as high school and as recently as college. That's where the variety really started to burgeon into a bunch of other things. Because after all, as much as I just talked to the parents before, that's not the end-all be-all. Because the whole definition of what happened in the 50s and 60s is that kids rebel. They don't always listen to everything their parents... Maybe we were the goody two-shoes and we actually just did eat it up with a spoon. But we don't represent all society in that regard. A lot of kids do rebel and they would go more after what they're exposed to, you know, from their friends or from television or from any other source. Particularly television and radio for our generation. You throw on the radio, you're looking through channels, you stop at something. The radio is a big influence, I'd say. Yeah, true. Because there are songs, actually, the funny thing about that, and this doesn't happen anymore, so there's a band called Seven Dust that I used to listen to a lot. I don't as much anymore, but they were very big in the late 90s, and they had a song that... For the life of me, I didn't know it was them. I was watching MTV really late at night, and I hear this song come on that I had heard on the radio years before and never knew the name of, and it was one of those songs you hear passing, and they don't say what the name was, so you forget about it because you don't have the internet at that point. 
And then I'm, I'm, I'm watching MTV, and there's this live concert by Seven Dust, and they play this song, which ended up this being the song Bitch by Seven Dust. And I heard it, and I went, oh, I know that song. Oh, and now I know what it's called and who wrote it. And no, moments like, like that don't really happen anymore with the radio because it's either just, <laughs> they either tell you what every song is or you can find it everywhere. Yeah, and the radio would come from society, which is funny because that means I just played the devil's advocate to the devil's advocate, having our first turned us from society and blaming on the parents, and now yeah, blaming yes. it from parents back to society. It's really like anything else. Well, Food for thought come out of from multiple. You angles. got you got to remember one. Kids big are not thing. shaped by simply one thing. You got to remember one big thing, particularly where we are in New York. Uh, New York City. Uh, I think I'm the only one here who actually listens to the radio that often. I had stopped. More so than most of us. Yes. And uh, I will say, gentlemen, there is one classic rock station left in New York City. There is is one alternative, uh, more indie rock Station one oh one nine. Nope, it's gone. Oh, there it is. It changed format. Okay, so we're down to SOU. So here here's the problem, like people SOU. listening to us. There is one classic rock station in New York City and the rest of the stations are pop. Why is that's, that? Because that's, that's what's popular that, in New York. But we ten years they ago, five years it. ago, we had a variety of stations left. I can explain it. Very easily, and it's very simple. XM? No. Yeah, well, part of it, but that's part of it, but no, it's this simple. The people who consume radio aren't our age anymore. Younger kids get a radio, they listen to pop music. I'm not done. The the reason radio, radio is a dying art. The real radio is now online. Podcasts, the internet, that's where a lot of radio is going. YouTube. Like YouTube has become a radio. Yeah, but I mean, people go there to find the music they want. It's true. It's not so much about listening to random stuff on the radio anymore. It's more about getting exactly what you want. Yeah. iTunes has become very convenient. 99 cents Pandora. a song. They, do, they, do call, they used to call um, the baby boom generation the me generation. And yeah. now they're starting to call us the now generation. In other words, we don't want to wait. We want, we it, want now. it now. Want it now. Right we now. don't want to have it's patience the... for commercials. We'll find it online. We don't have patience for uh, going to the record store. We'll get people, it on YouTube. Well, the perfect is a good example of that is that we have Pandora and Slacker on our vol- yeah. on of our cell phones. These, these are things free are program. all blessings in disguise no, no. or disguises are, and blessings. Here's my know. point: there's free radio that you can actually tailor to your own taste, but there's commercials, and people pay to get rid of their commercials when they have this free get rid of the commercials when they have this free radio. Yeah. And also on air radio funny, though because commercials actually are a pretty good way of getting good music out there. And they're a pretty good way of breaking up certain songs too, uh, creating a flow for DJs, but the DJs another lost art. The radio disc jockey. You another know, lost art. We're based on Staten Island. I'm surprised you would call DJ business a lost art. <laughs> it's like the only art I see around here. No, no, radio DJ. We're talking about uh, the d- radio disc, 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 the yeah, actual I, I definition of DJ. Remixing DJs. Not yeah, I follow you. Not musician. Because DJ, those DJs are essentially musicians. They are using there. they are using the vinyl records as an instrument. So they're essentially musicians in their own right, and that's right. different. No. um... Yeah, I think it really comes down to the fact that the reason the radios are all turning to pop music is because the pop music stations can still make money. People, enough people still listen to pop music in New York that they can sell the ads. Classic rock yeah. 
they're not. It's not enough listenership to sell the ads. Which Modern is rock is not enough it's listenership. It's surprising though, because that's still the radio is still a primary form of listening to music for the baby boom generation, which will still continue to listen to classic rock. So I'm surprised that they don't have the listenership. Because think about it, really today we're not so into radio. You know, maybe you, John, but most of us can just plug our iPods in our car. We don't have to feel limited by the radio. But it's more likely that our older generation will. So, but if you go by that logic, I'm not so sure that's the case. I feel like they I could. Disagree. They the advertisements could seep through as long as they. They always say that advertisements follow ge- the, the baby boom generation. Although sometimes I agree, but as baby the boom generation gets older, they a die out. They b they've had kids. Their kids have had kids. Those numbers are getting bigger because you're getting now down to the kids and the kids of the kids if oh. they've had multiple kids maybe they're just not listening to music anymore oh. it's just becoming a, it's becoming a, the baby boom generation won't always be the highest number because if they had kids and those kids had kids that by definition is going to be a larger number of those two generations versus the one generation you know right. as that that's, generation gets older that's a good point and i think that's really why in the last couple of years especially pop stations have started to take over everywhere not just here is because there's more of those radio is so accessible now if you have an internet or if you have i mean radios that don't play any other music but radio are so cheap but now you're sending me back now you're reinforcing it because it's available everywhere it makes me think that plain old-fashioned fm radio would still be catering to i'm surprised they're not still catering to the baby boom generation because I think that's where the audience is. It could just be New York is a specific case. I mean, we're a young city. New York is a very young city. A lot of people, younger generations, move here to be the next big thing, to get the next place. Well, kids you know? give their parents iPods and they'll yeah. get attached to it. I just I think that, that those numbers are slowly dwindling because it's just more convenient to get what you want out of radio. And I feel like... Those people who are going to go searching for radio aren't the baby boom generation anymore. They're going to listen to their station, or if their station disappears, they'll give up. And they'll just go back to their records, or their cassettes, or their CDs, or whatever. That's, yeah. Well, as is usual, we've uh, compounded (laughs) argument on top of argument and concluded that it's just a lot of... uh, In the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Gray areas. I I think the conclusion is we wish people were smarter. Just as a whole. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we, we blamed, we've gone through blaming society, to blaming the parents, to blaming the radio industry. I How think about yourself? It yeah. does fall on you. I mean, I will say... no. Honestly, <laughs> be I, curious. For the love of them. Be no, curious. No, I will say that for me, while my, my, I do have a lot of influence and taste from my father, the true reason why I have such a variety of music that I listen to is because I personally go out of my way... To ask my friends, what are you listening to? My parents, what's that? Inquire. Not always. Like, People are lazy, and even I'm lazy me, sometimes. Specifically, I know, I'm, I'm, saying. I know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Even I have. Even as a music major, I was lazy. I waited until they came to me. But that's the thing. If you make, yeah. if you make, if you make those kind of contacts, I'm very glad I've made those kind of contacts over the years because I have a realm of people who have introduced me to amazing uh, styles of music. So that re- I, you know, it's it's who you know. <laughs> yeah, but for me, it's always been about. If I really, if I hear something I really like, I go out of my way. Uh, you know, once I had access to find out information, I went out of my way to find out about that music. Like yeah. that's why I was saying that that instance with Seven Dust, where I hadn't heard that song in years, but 
but I remembered it and then finally knew who it was. I haven't had a moment like that in a long time because I so actively seek out music now. Because I'm always looking for more and for new. Well, that's the thing. We jump from genre to genre, usually through a very subtle variety of music that that we find elements of it that we like, uh, that pertains to the stuff we already like, and that might move us further and further away from what we like. Well, you know, ma- making us uh, broader, well-known people, well-known individuals as a result. But, you know... You have to have that drive. Right. No, I agree. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I think you're right, though. In essence, this, this argument where it goes is, it's just, there's a lot of gray area, and, and that's really it. And I think we've pretty made it pretty clear how we feel about it. Okay. Oh, yeah, of course we have. Uh, and then we'll sum it up this way. People listening, be curious. Fr- tell your friends to be curious. I said that. No, tell your family to be curious. Tell the, expose your. Okay, Jesus is turning out so wrong in terminology. What John's? Try something new. Always try something new. We did it today with the script. And I tried something we, new. We've even discussed this earlier. We, we've concluded that probably one of the better things that happened in this generation is the whole iTunes. If you like this, try this. Try this and, and right? do it. But. Even those algorithms will, and sometimes do, keep you in a box. Sometimes you have to just go on a limb. Yeah. You know? I would like, for those listening, if possible, as a homework assignment, please post in the comments on this podcast the most outside your box you've listened to in the last ten years. Pick up, Tell us a band that you found just randomly, and in the comments tell us, you know, what attracted you to them, what you liked, and just... <laughs> Just share with us the outside-the-box bands that you've listened to. That's a good idea, but you really think we're going to rack up our view count by giving our view, our listeners homework? <laughs> I will do a review. My next choice in three weeks will do a review of whichever album uh, becomes the most popular. Whichever band becomes the most popular, I'll, I'll choose as my review. And we'll break it down. All right. That's fair. I'll take you up on that. And uh, Steve, would you like to share with us what your pick is going to be for next week all right just uh in keeping with the bizarre uh be ready for next week because we're going quite out on a limb flying lotus is the band the album until the quiet comes this is this is on the perimeter of everything you, you know you like albums that have sentences for names you know <laughs> ben folds was the probably the, the longest one we've had. The sound of the life of the mind yeah. by the Ben's folds. But Menomina had a nice mouthful too. No, it wasn't. It no, was mom's. Oh um, yeah, that's right. That was the boring one. See, I just like to be the extremist. It's either the very short or the very long. <laughs> Three letters, ten words. And of course, as always, please uh, reach out to us on the website or on Facebook. Comment. Uh, you can email us at crashchordsblog at gmail.com Um... Please, comments, questions, reviews, hate mail. We'll take anything at this point. Just reach out to us. We really want to hear from you guys. Like us online and in real life. We'll yes. read your hate mail on air. Um, and as always... <laughs> Bill O'Reilly style. <laughs> you guys are killing me. But but uh, please reach out to us. Thanks for being patient with the delay for this one going up. And um, we will definitely have articles up again more regularly soon. And always, music is life and life is good.